Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Message. Today's sermon is entitled, The Ghost Part 2, by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. Today we're talking again, once again, about God in spirit form. He's often called the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The word from the Old Testament translated as spirit is the word ruah, which means a wind or a breath or a violent exaltation or exhalation. In the New Testament, the Greek word translated as spirit is the word pneuma, which means a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is like the wind of God. Sometimes he comes as a gentle breeze. Other times he comes as a mighty rushing wind of power. Today I speak about the power of the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament we see the power of the Spirit working on countless and in countless different ways. The Holy Spirit gave Joseph skill to rule over Egypt. It gave Joshua military power. The Spirit gave two unknown men in the Old Testament the power to work their crafts. The Holy Spirit gave words to the prophets to speak prophetically over God's people. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and gave him power to lead his people into battle and bring victory. In Judges chapter 14 and 6, as hard as it is to believe, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson in power so that he tore a lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat, the Bible said. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6, shows the words of Samuel to Saul. When Samuel anointed Saul, that said, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them as you will be changed into a different person. I am preaching about a change element today. There is something powerfully proficient about the power of the Holy Spirit in our life today. In the New Testament, we see the power of the Holy Ghost everywhere. In fact, Jesus was conceived of the power of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 1, when Mary wondered how this would be, she asked a question, how will this be? And Mary asked the angel, since I am just a virgin, I have known no man. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and that which shall be born shall be called the Son of God. And when Jesus gave his life for our sins on the cross, the Bible said the Son of God was raised from the dead again by the power of the Holy Ghost. And he is Jesus Christ, our Lord today. And before Jesus ascended to heaven, he promised his followers that he would send them a gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Folks, it's talked about too much for us to ignore it today. It's too often mentioned in the Bible for us to ignore it. So Acts chapter 1 today is where we're going to hang out in this series called The Ghost. We're looking at the power today. Everybody say the power. The power of the Holy Ghost. How many Christians do we have here today? Come on, be bold today. You're in church for crying out loud. If you are, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one. How many of you would say, I know someone who is a Christian that seems to have more spiritual power than I do. 
I've been around those people. A lot of us have said that. Sometimes you'll see people who seem to have just a little bit more of something than you do spiritually, and you say, whatever they're having, I want it. When they pray, their prayers seem to be so powerful. And if I was God, I'd say, I'll answer that prayer because this is the most powerful prayer I've heard all day. Sometimes when they get into a pinch, they'll quote a Bible verse, and it seems like they have a Bible verse for everything. How do they do that? When something goes wrong in their life, they're not the kind of people that are shaken. They seem to have this real deep spiritual assurance. And you wonder, how is it that they seem to have more power and more of this God factor than I do in my life? The answer is, it could be they have more power than you. Some people are just more surrendered to the power of the Spirit that's available by God through the Holy Ghost than others. I'll explain it this way. We bought that property next door. I think I've told this before. There were tons of trees. You remember? There were very large trunks. How many like that new parking lot out there today? Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Come on, come on. You're getting to park on it. That's a nice thing. We bought that property. There was a ton of trees, very large trunks in some of them, and we were not supposed to cut any down that were more than eight inches around, but we just lost our measuring tape, I guess, because there was some, I apologize for that. It's better to apologize and ask permission. But Damon, <laughs> I didn't know you'd catch that. I thought I'd move on from that one. Damon came down to take down the trees. He has a landscaping company, and uh, he, he, he got his chainsaw out there and got his shovel, started digging around those trees and his men. And the tree trunks were too large to handle with chainsaws and shovels. So Damon came to me one day and said, Dad, we need a bobcat. Now, I don't know if you know what a bobcat is, but a bobcat is a shovel on steroids. It really is. And we got a bobcat out there, and all of a sudden, those things that were stumps began to move and get ungrounded. And the root system become, became apparent because it was being dug up out of the ground. And it wasn't very long until we were hooking chains and pulling pulling the big old tree stumps out of the ground and taking them and loading them up and putting them wherever they're supposed to be and cutting them up and making firewood. And today, the result is a beautiful, beautiful place. Now, I know if you're an environmentalist, you say, oh, Pastor, you're a no-good loser for cutting down our trees. But, folks, we had to put some people in the house. You understand that? There's sometimes you got to do it. We didn't. But the property became a beautiful parking lot. Everybody say hallelujah to that. Christians today all over the world sometimes put on their little old work gloves and they take out their shovels and they say, we're going to live this Christian life. And they try by their own strength. They strive and they fight and they battle, but they don't get very far. You know why? Because they're trying to live a Christian life in their own strength when there is a greater power that is available to them. I was in an airport one time long time ago, and I was on my way to catch another plane. I was making an O.J. Simpson commercial. I was running to the next place, and I was hurdling things and had my briefcase, and I was running because I didn't want to be late. And I ran, and all of a sudden, I looked over to my left, and I saw a man walking very calmly, staying up with me. He was on a moving sidewalk. And because in my hurry, I had missed the opportunity to get on that moving sidewalk and double my speed. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, folks. Sometimes we get in these mad dashes in life, and God is saying, if you'll just let me help you power your life. 
you can walk through this thing and not be weary. Amen. 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 The Bible says we have access to the very same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. I have access to the Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You can be filled with the Spirit of God and have the ability to live a supernatural life in a very natural world. Yet so many of us, we put on our gloves, we grab our shovels, and we struggle without the power that is available through the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has died on the cross. He has now risen from the grave. He's with his disciples having a conversation with them. But before he would ascend into heaven, here's how the conversation went, Acts 1 and 4. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with the disciples, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you heard me speak about. The gift was the Holy Spirit. He had reminded those people back in John chapter 14. He said, I'm going to go away and send a gift to you. And this is going to be better than if I were with you. This is going to be the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 5, he said, for John baptized with water. But in a very few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word translated baptized is the word baptizo, which means to immerse. It means to immerse. He said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. When we dunk you in water, we immerse you. We put you under. For those who are really bad, we hold you under. Until we see the bubbles. I'm teasing. Lord God, I'm teasing. I'll never get baptized by that pastor. Well, I don't do it anymore. I just tell Brad, hold him under a little longer. That's what Jesus said. He didn't just say we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said you're going to be baptized. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to immerse you. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to overpower you. I'm going to give you something so powerful it'll change the way you walk in life. What's going to happen to you when this takes place? Verse 8, he said, you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes you, you will receive, everybody say power. Power. Everybody say power. power. That word power comes from the Greek word dunamis where we get the word dynamite. It means a force. It means a miraculous power. It means something that hell can't handle. Amen. Jesus even said to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it listeth and no man knows where it comes or where it goes. And so is every man that's born of the Spirit. What he was saying is when my spirit baptizes a believer, baptize a believer, there is an unstoppability factor in their life. If you want some unstoppable entity in your life, you need to get connected and let the Holy Spirit baptize you and let God absolutely dunk you in His power and in His Spirit and I believe it like I never have in all my life. We need the Holy Ghost power in this hour. Amen. He said to His disciples, you're going to be empowered by the Spirit to take my message to all the world. Now look at His audience. I want you to look at these guys. They were a bunch of misfits. 
He's talking to his disciples who for the last three years couldn't get anything right. They really couldn't. Never one time did Jesus say to his disciples, man, you guys have such great faith. Wow. Wow, I don't know how I chose such great guys. Oh, y'all got it. Not one time. But he did say, you guys don't get it. You have little faith. Peter, kind of the ringleader, said, Jesus, I'm with you all the time, and I'll never leave you. And then right before the cross, three times he denied the Lord. And at the cross, after Jesus had already said, I'm going to give my life, only one of 12 showed up. John showed up, and the others were hiding, cowering in fear. And when he arose from the grave, they were locked in a little room, scared to death and by the Jewish, uh, of the Jewish authorities. And Jesus comes in and says, I am here. And Thomas, who missed that meeting, came another meeting, and he said, I don't believe until I see his side, until I see his hands, and realize he is Messiah. But Jesus looked at ordinary men and said, you will have power to take my message to the whole world. And we are declaring in this church today the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because a bunch of misfits who were afraid, who were scared, who denied, got the Holy Ghost one day and the power of God influenced them and baptized them and they changed their whole dynamic of living. Somebody clap your hands and say amen to that. Amen to that. Changed their whole living, changed everything about them, changed everything about them. There's power today available. Take off your little gloves and put down your little shovels. Get you a line of the tribe of Judah in your spirit and understand there's unlimited power in the Holy Ghost. Wow. There's unlimited power in the Holy Ghost. There's four distinct qualities of the Holy Ghost I'm going to talk about today, four. There's four. Number one, the first thing that you do when the Holy Spirit comes in, you share Christ boldly. Isn't that tough? You're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Paul said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but my message came with the demonstration woo, of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest in men's wisdom or on man's wisdom, but instead on God's power. Paul could speak nine languages, but he said, it's not my eloquence, it's not just my brilliance, but it's a demonstration of what God can do with my speech when he sends the Holy Spirit in demonstration. Maybe I borrow, may, may I borrow from Paul today and say today, words are, not, are just that, they're just words, but God, through his anointing, can take words and bring a demonstration of power. I've always believed that when you talk about him, he's the only history element past that will show up when you talk about him. I can talk about Abe Lincoln, he'll stay in the grave. I can talk about Washington, he'll stay in the grave. I can talk about Buddha, he'll stay in the grave. I can talk about Muhammad, he'll stay in the grave. But when you start talking about Jesus Christ, when you start talking about the power of the Holy Ghost, he has a way of showing up. Come on, Holy Spirit, show up today. Let us understand this is the power that we need in our life. One night, a little old lady in one of my first revivals walked up to me and she said, 
Young man, that sermon wasn't half bad for a young preacher. You know, I said, thank you, ma'am. I was trying to be humble because I really couldn't preach. I said, it was actually all the Holy Ghost. She said, young man, it, if it was all the Holy Ghost, it would have been really good. I said it wasn't bad. Ever felt uncomfortable? Ever felt unqualified, not good enough to share your faith? There's nobody that understands better than I do. I was invited, my third revival when I was 21 years old, I was invited to preach in a large church, a large church at that time, about 600, 700 people on Sunday morning, a very large church back in that day. And I was so scared to present Christ to that church. I would literally, and I hate to use this term, but I would literally regurgitate, throw up every night before church. I could not calm my nervous stomach. And to think about it now, it just tears me up to think that I was so afraid when I had such power and I was terrified to talk about who Jesus was. I was terrified to give an altar call. I thought nobody wanted Jesus that I preached. And, and I would always turn the altar call over to the pastor to make the call. I was so hard on myself, would always hand off to someone else to do it. And finally one night, that pastor in that church, a man that I admire very much, he's gone on, his name is Merle Ewing. He has gone on, but he stopped me. He came back to get me. He said, son, are you going to come to church tonight or are you going to stay back here and throw up all night? I said, I'm coming to church. He said, I'm going to do something for you tonight, son. I'm going to lay hands on you. And you will never have fear again. Let me say something. This church believes in the power of laying on of hands. The Bible speaks of laying on of hands in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when you come to an altar to receive the Holy Spirit, if somebody full of the Spirit comes up and lays hands on you, you grab a hold of what God's doing in your life. There's nothing wrong with somebody laying hands on you and asking God to do something great for you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And he prayed for me. And I gave an altar call that night. People came. I was shocked. But he did so good. And before that revival was over, I went down to a bar on the corner from that church and walked in that church and presented Jesus to a bunch of drunks. And they were going to call the cops on me, but they realized I wasn't a radical. I was just a young preacher, probably just trying to make my name or make my way. But I really wasn't. I got so fired up because I, th I knew then that everybody needed wanted Jesus. I have no qualms about that today. I believe everybody in this house that doesn't have what God has given other people in this house want what God can give you in your life. This is a place you come. You don't come here if you're not desiring for more. Amen? You don't walk in this church if you don't want more. This is not a social order. This is the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. This is where God comes down and meets his people with his glory. Come on, I want some of that. I want some of that. He'll give you power to witness. He'll give you power to witness. God wants to empower people. He wants to give you demonstration and power in your life. The second thing that the Lord will do, he'll give you power when you're weak. Wow. Everybody say he'll give me power when I am weak. Romans 8 and 26 says, in the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
How does he help us? Too many ways to count. But the Bible says we don't know what we ought to pray. For the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Have you ever felt like just mm, don't even know how to pray? Oh, don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit's making intercession for you. It understands a language that only groans can produce. And don't you be worried about it because God's going to make up the difference. Here's the deal. Many of you have got your gloves on, you got your shovels. But where you are weak is where God is made perfect in strength. Amen? Had a trainer once. He used to go to this church. He moved to Houston. He was sadistic. He was here. I wouldn't call him that. I'd call him a tough trainer. But he was sadistic. It never was enough with him. Never was. He had me lifting, you know, and I was trying to, you know, take this bluebell body into a, another one. And I'd be lifting. He'd say, come on, Rev. Come on, preacher. Come on, pastor. You're better than that. Come on. Come on. 14, 15. Come on. We're going to do 20. Come on. Come on. Come on. And what he would do many times, and don't you tell him if you ever see him that I did this, but many times he'd get on top of that barbell and start helping me, you know. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. And the more I understood how much he could help me, Sometime I just had my hands on the bar. You with me? We'll do 25 if you want to, coach. Come on, let's do 30. He pops sweat. I'm here to tell you when, when you're weak, God is strong. Paul said, and I talked about it with him, and I said, Lord, I've got a thorn in my flesh. Would you take this thorn out of my flesh? And he asked the Lord three times, and God said, no, I will not take it out of your flesh, but i tell you what I will do. I will make my grace so sufficient that when you understand how weak you are, understand how strong I am. I just don't think that Christians ought to have down days. I think that when we are weak, we need to turn ourselves over to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, help us. Come on, at least put your hands on the bars, but let God do the lifting for you. He wants to help everybody in this house. <laughs> I'm going to give you an example. In college, back in my second year, the toughest, one of the toughest years I lived, I had left home. I was away from mom and dad, and I lived in the back of a church. And uh, if I left one glass unwashed on Sunday morning, the woman that came and cleaned the kitchen would find me, even if I was sitting on the front row, and she said, son, you left some dirty dishes in the sink. Living in a church wasn't fun. And so I kept, I kept everything clean. But I stayed in the back of that church for about three months. Then somebody felt sorry for me and invited me to come and stay and, and give them room and board. And so I paid and gave room and board. And then I 
then I was, I was privileged to go to school. But in college, I, I worked like 35, 40 hours a week, and I carried the first semester 21 hours. I realized right away that it wasn't high school at that school. And so I was trying to get my degree quicker. And so working that much and giving that much, I finally dropped three hours. And I, and, but I, I was to a point. I was to a point where I was so weary and you have to do so much reading in college. And I was so weary that I couldn't comprehend what I was reading. I couldn't, I couldn't understand what I was reading. It was a real issue in my life. And I would find myself, and I, I, may have, I may have had a little ADD in my life, but I would find myself going back to the front of the story again and reading it all over again and going back to the, and reading it all over. And, and I read the same thing four or five times because I, I couldn't grasp it. And one day I went to my... My, my, my college and career Sunday school teacher, I went to my, my older uh, teenage Sunday school teacher, and I said, Sister Weaver, I, I got a problem. She said, what's your problem, son? She loved me. She loved me. She, she knew I was going to be a preacher. She knew it before I ever accepted the call. And she said, what's the problem? I said, I can't get this. I, I need help. She said, come here. She took me back in a little office. She said, I don't want to embarrass you. But I'm going to pray for your reading skills. I'm going to pray for you to have comprehension. She laid hands on me and shook me till the ground shook. Some of you had never had hands laid on you like Sister Weaver could lay on you. She laid hands on me. She was a little old short lady. She had to climb up on something. But she climbed up on something and bore down on my head. I'm sorry. I'm just preaching. But she said, God, let this young man have understanding. Let him have comprehension. I wish you'd have added speed reading, but she didn't because that'd been nicer too, you know. But she prayed for me. I walked out of that place that day, so help me. And I read the next week and something clicked. I got it. I got it the first time. And still to this day, I can read stuff and grab it the first time. I'm not a fast reader. I'm not. But I can get it the first time. And it sticks. It hangs in there. You can throw a number at me. It'll stick. A name. It'll stick. Because God gave me comprehension. I'm telling you, where I was weak, God made me strong. Because he wanted me to understand that I can't do this by myself. I need the power of the Holy Ghost to help me in my weakness. Is anybody understanding what I'm preaching about today? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Some of you, you know, I don't know how to say this without sounding overconfident a little bit. But up until about seven, eight years ago, I didn't even have to have all of these notes. I, I do these notes because I've gone to multiple services because I want to preach the same thing identical. But there was a time I could shut this and just preach. And some of you folks remember that. You remember those days. I could write something on the back of an envelope and just preach. Sister Weaver prayed that into me by the power of the Holy Ghost. Some of you, you know, you look and you say, you say, Pastor, some moms say, I don't know what I'm going to do with these kids. They're too much. The Holy Ghost can give you wisdom. Ask him. Amen. Ask him. You may have a presentation coming up at work and you're like, I'm the worst in front of people. I panic. I freeze. My voice will shake my heart. Ask the Holy Ghost where you're weak. He will be strong. You may have sin in your life and you just cannot overcome it and you've been talk, taking that little shovel and you've been working and you just can't. The Holy Ghost will give you power where you're weak. Call on him. Call on him. Everybody say, when I'm weak, he is strong. The third thing that the Holy Spirit gives you is power of hope. 
in a hopeless world. Romans 15, 13, say, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow. Everybody say overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. People today have very limited hope. If I had a glass today up here, and I should have it because I'm thirsty right now, but I'm too afraid to ask for water. But if I, if I had, if I had a, a, a bottle of water here and it was about half full, that's where a lot of people's hope is living in their life. They're not full of hope. They're about half full of hope. And, and, the, and, and really the glass is half empty, not half full. Because life comes at you hard. And you know I'm telling you the truth. But I love the story of the little English boy that had never seen the ocean. And one day a man picked him up and took him to see the ocean. He took a bottle with him. And he put ocean water in that, in that bottle. When he saw the beautiful tide coming, he, he put his bottle out there and picked up a bunch of that ocean water to show his mother. And the man who had taken him noticed the bottle was not full. So he asked him why. And the lad replied, sir, I'm leaving room in my bottle for the tide. Glory. Somewhere in your life, you've got to leave room. You can't have it all by yourself. You've got to make room for God, the God of hope, to give you hope in this life. If you place hope in anything but God, your hope is going to be limited. If you place it in yourself, it's limited. If you place it in other people, again, it's limited. If you place it in circumstances, your circumstances will only take you so far. Our hope is limited because we, it is not put in an unlimited God. Maybe the little English boy knew something. The tide is the filler in our life. We need the Holy Ghost. You hurting today? You afraid? Put your hope in God and let him overflow your life with joy and hope of the Spirit. You lost your job? Some people have come to me and cried and said, Pastor, I've lost my job. But they kept their hope in God. And they've got a job now and they've got a raise. There's a lady teaches Sunday school next door that I've pastored for about 24 and a half, almost 25 years. She has lost like three or four jobs in that time. But every time she lost a job, she never grew faint. She just said, well, God's going to give me something better. And God always did. And every time she got another job, she got a raise. Hey, don't think the world's ending because things are going bad in your life. Hope thou in God. Because hope is the anchor of the soul. And God gives hope to the hopeless by the power of the Spirit. Maybe you've lost someone you love. Maybe your child is away from God. Maybe. Maybe you've got a disease in your body and the doctor said, you know, it's, it's final. It's terminal. But hope. God can give you hope. Don't ever, don't ever go a day without hope. Understand that hope is what the fulcrum of love, of faith and love is in the book of Corinthians. The fulcrum is hope. Now there's about a faith and hope and charity. And I know the greatest of these is charity, but the fulcrum that holds faith and love balanced is a word called hope. Hope in God Almighty. Amen. Amen. And the fourth thing, and I'll close today, the Holy Spirit will give you power to experience all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. Some of you may be saying, what does that mean, Pastor? Experience the fullness of God. Here's what I have noticed in our church and in our country. I believe so many people have reduced Christianity down to the lowest common denominator. Stay with me now. 
basically Christianity for so many people today is, yeah, I believe in God, check. I did the Jesus prayer thing, check. I got baptized, check. I joined the church, check. I read the Bible every now and then, check. And then maybe kind of a lot sometimes, sort of, and I try to be a good person, check. And so many times we live beneath the privileges of what Almighty God really wants us to have. I believe that if the Holy Spirit is for every believer, I believe I need to invest my soul into that. There's a lot of people that are living by soul life. It's called soul life. It's decision-making life. It's right and wrong. It's soul life. When God wants to baptize your spirit with his spirit. And I didn't get that myself. I read Joyce Meyer's book to get that to tell you. But what I want to tell you is that you just can't live soul life forever. You've got to get that spirit in there baptized by a spirit greater than your spirit. And that spirit is the Holy Spirit. Amen. That spirit is the Holy Spirit. Your spirit needs to be baptized by his spirit. So that the spirit of man, the spirit of man becomes the life element in your life. The spirit of man being baptized by God's spirit becomes the life spirit in your life. There were two trees in the garden, one the tree of life, the other the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And many people live on their conscience, on their decision, on their way, and their thought process. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you walk to a tree called life. Because the Holy Spirit is not just for here and now. The Holy Spirit is for a rapture one day. The Holy Spirit's for a second coming one day. The Holy Spirit wants to abide and abound in your life right now. It's an eternal thing. It's an eternal thing. It's an eternal thing. So I close today. Many times, these people that have done the check thing, they It's no different than the rest of the world. Still hurting, still addicted, still filled with worry, still broke, still struggling, still struggling in marriage. No real faith, no real victory. Why? No power. No power. So many people today don't understand who God is and what he has for you. The Holy Spirit will give you power to experience all the fullness of God. Now watch this. Ephesians, Paul said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power power through his spirit I put in parentheses in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith now watch this that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide how long how high what's this now and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses the knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God Everything in the Old Testament was measured by width and by length and by height. Not until Christ came and sent back the comforter do we understand the depth. The depth. When you walk in the Spirit of God, when you walk in the holy presence of God, the Holy Ghost, there is a depth. There is a depth. There is something way down deep. And hell says, I don't understand this kid. I don't understand him. I've hit him. 
I've beat him. I've knocked him down. What's keeping him up? It's not my height. It's not my width. It's not my length. It's my depth. There's something way down on the inside that the world didn't give me and the world can't take away from me. It is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, the depth of the love of God. Nothing, nothing like His Spirit in your heart, in your life, in your being. Would you stand to your feet? You're the most awesome crowd. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com 